The presenting sponsor of Top Docs is Netflix. From director Laura McGann, The Deepest Breath captures the gripping mix of destiny and danger at the heart of two athletes' undeniable bond. It offers a never-before-seen glimpse into one of the most dangerous sports on the planet. The Daily Beast calls the documentary heart-stopping, expansive, and intimate. Watch The Deepest Breath, now on Netflix. This film invites you to a sacred safe space of smoke sauna where women come together and share the utmost secrets and heal through communion. Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson and welcome to Top Docs. Today we're talking to Anna Hintz, director of Smoke Sauna Sisterhood. Smoke Sauna Sisterhood had its world premiere at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival, where Anna won the World Cinema Documentary Directing Award. The film also won the Best Documentary Award at the San Francisco International Film Festival and screened at Hot Docs, Hot Springs, CPH Docs, and many other festivals. Smoke Sauna Sisterhood is the Estonian entry for Best International Feature Film for the upcoming 96th Academy Awards. Anna Hans is an Estonian film director with a background in contemporary art and experimental folk music. She has deep roots in the distinct culture of South Estonia, which is where the smoke sauna tradition is rooted. She's directed numerous shorts, including Free World, Manifest of Hope, Ice, and For Tomorrow, Paradise Arrives. Smoke Sauna Sisterhood is Anna's feature documentary debut. This is a really fascinating film, which explores the smoke sauna tradition of South Estonia. What's so great about this film and the fact that Anna made it is that She's from this part of the world. She understands this tradition. She grew up with it. And she's able to take the smoke sauna tradition and expand it and use it to explore women's experiences, specifically their pain, trauma, and joy. This is a film that Anna lived. She rented a place on a farm that had a smoke sauna. That's where the film was shot. She spent a good deal of time casting the film and then spent years making and editing it. And it's clear from the very specific, poetic, very well-structured and powerful film that Anna has as much reverence for the power of cinema as she does for the smoke sauna itself. The film is being released by Greenwich Entertainment. And as usual, if you like this interview, please follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell a friend. Also, please follow us on Instagram at TopDocsPod and on X or Twitter also at TopDocsPod. And now my conversation with Anna Hintz, director of Smoke Sauna Sisterhood. Anna Hintz, welcome to Top Docs. Hello, so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. The film is wonderful, and we'll get into that shortly. But before we talk about your movie, I want to ask a question about you. You were born and grew up in Estonia. When did you first become familiar with the tradition of the smoke sauna? Actually, in my mother's womb, that's when we are initiated. But one very special smoke sauna was when I was 11. And my grandfather had died and his body was in the house, in the farmhouse, in the countryside. And we went to smoke sauna one night before the funeral. It was my granny, aunt and niece. 
And then it was there where Granny revealed that grandfather had actually cheated on her, not once, but several times. And then she confessed that there and she confessed how difficult it was, you know, in Soviet Union time for kids after the war. She released all the emotions connected with that. There was like anger, there was pain, but there was also, I remember, a lot of shame. And she let it all out. We were there, you know, witnessing it. And one smoke sauna session lasts several hours. You're inside, you go out, you come back. And once when we fully went out and put our clothes on, I felt that Granny had made peace with Grandfather. So that next day we could bury Grandfather in peace. And that was like the, the time when I felt like a new door, an extra layer of smoke sauna opened to me of this kind of safe space where absolutely all your emotions, all your experiences can be shared, can be heard. When we give voice to our story and when we actually hear another story, there is huge healing power. Also, I think that was the time as an 11 where I was initiated, you can say, into this kind of sisterhood, to these kind of stories. So that was like very important part. And I feel that also this small sauna as an 11-year-old was like impulse in a way to make this film because I remember this cathartic feeling, like this very visceral, like bodily feeling, you know. It's always the question from where a film is born or how long we actually make a film. Like I made the film seven years, but at the same time, I think the film I made much, much longer time, you know, since in a way, since I was 11. That is a very long gestation process. And I would say if you're able to tap into the visceral, that's always where I think the true power of art is. Mm, I totally agree with you. For uh, me, it has actually been also a journey as a filmmaker to start to embrace and accept my voice and uh, my intuition. In edit, for example, when I say I have a strong feeling, bodily feeling about a scene, that it has to be there. And I don't yet have any words. The words come for me later. Then I have ridiculed this before. I have belittled this feeling before. But now making this film, I've started to really embrace it and, and understand that I have to follow this very deep body instincts. And then also that's a way to create films that are visceral when we listen, not just our mind, but also our body. And listening is certainly a very important part of this film. When you started the project, though, I guess we would call it pre-production, maybe seven years ago, what were your sort of initial plans or ideas around making this film? I had uh, the vision of this circular structure, and it actually makes very much sense also in terms of smoke sauna, because smoke sauna is a sacred space for us. There's like spirituality connected with that space and women used to give birth there and also wash the dead and heal. So life and death and everything needs like inside smoke sauna. The understanding of time is also different there. It's not linear, but it is cyclic. So I had that vision for the cyclic structure. I also had deep, strong vision for what I called water layer, like the journey of water. Because actually water is a very important element in the chance, in the healing chance, cleansing your body and also your soul and asking water to take the pain away. And also what I remember from my grandmother about water is that she always said that 
you know, when we have traumas inside us, then it is like frozen water. And sometimes we can find ourselves in deep, dark winter where there is only ice field. But then it's so important to keep in mind that even the most cold ice has the power to flow again. So it's the same with our traumas. We just need warmth and time to melt these traumas. So these visions I had, and then I had the vision, of course, that for the sisterhood, but I didn't know what stories would be there. So that's very important. Actually, I had this rule that before entering smoke sauna, uh, we don't talk about what stories will be there because the whole idea was, uh, for me, or the direction was that to have the real authentic smoke sauna experience. And for that, you need time. And in that time, physical dirt starts to come to the surface, but then also emotional dirt. I didn't know what stories would be there, but I knew that things would come because of my experience from smoke sauna. So it was always entering into unknown, but at the same time, trusting the process and knowing that things will emerge. Also that there is four seasons, this I had from the start, this vision. Because it's all connected, really, of, of this yeah, spirituality of smoke sauna that is very much connected with nature and how we are connected with nature. We are part of nature. We are not here to rule nature, but to live, coexist and be part of nature and be humble with nature. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned nature because the film is very elemental in that sense. We have fire, water, earth, air. And I found that the emotional terrain was also elemental. The stories focus on these just very basic, universal stories about body image, mother-daughter relationships, sexuality, queer identity, abortion, giving birth, rape, and so on. You mentioned that you had this rule about no talking about stories before you enter the smoke sauna, but how, how did you navigate the storytelling part of this? Well, how these stories are unfolding, this came together in the 80s when I was looking at the material that I had. I had the direction for myself or a task for myself that I want to transform the experience of smoke sauna into the dark cinema hall so that as a viewer, you would feel like you're part of smoke sauna, that you are like inside with the women. I didn't worry really at all about what stories come because that was also like, for me to document what is there in our bodies, because there's so much in our bodies and so much that we even are not aware of ourselves. Then smoke sauna creates this or offers this kind of space to connect with yourself very deeply and connect with others and encourages us to share and hear the uncomfortable and be okay with that. And also there are ways how to release that uncomfortable. I just needed time. I, I think this film needed it seven years to make, also to have these stories and have the material and different seasons and all that. And then editing took uh, two years. I started to edit when I was still filming, just to go through what I had. Of course, you know, I had made notes and I, I sensed what I have, but like how it all comes together energetically or like how it folds so that you go to this kind of journey. It also, I feel, required this time for edit uh, to really start to breathe in the material and digest it all so that it would also come to my dreams. This is maybe a way how I function also. 
when ideas come to my dreams, for example, I remember one, one very specific moment in editing where I dreamed of how the film will begin. And it just came to me in my dreams. Of course, it was from the material that I had watched through. But then it was like, oh, yes. And it felt so strong. I was like, it makes sense. I don't know yet. Again, I didn't know yet how to articulate it, but it made sense. And then articulation came later to me. And now I can articulate it all. Could we take a second and just, can you tell our audience how the film begins? Because I was going to ask you about it. And so I'm so glad ah. that you, you brought <laughs> it up. Just uh bring folks up to speed about the opening shot, which is so evocative. So the film starts like this, uh, and especially when you're inside a dark cinema hall, because uh, I challenged myself to transform the cinema into this kind of like smoke sauna, dark smoke sauna. You enter there and then there is darkness and in the darkness you start to hear chants, you know. Of course, when you don't speak a local language, you don't even understand, but they have this energy of like primordial energy. And then you see that it's chant of mightiness or becoming healthy, mighty. And then you're still, you're, you're in the darkness and you hear that sound and gee. And then suddenly you see a picture of a mother holding a baby and breastfeeding the baby. And then the baby at some point looking out somewhere into the light. And then we cut and there is smoke. And then the title starts. This came in a dream. When I say in a dream, it's like when our subconsciousness starts to speak with us. But for that, you need, again, time and you need to digest the material so that you really, like you breathe that material. It actually makes very much sense in regarding as my direction or vision for or a task for myself I'd been, how I want to transform the smoke sauna space into the cinema hall, like the sound. You enter, you basically, for the viewer, it's like you come from whatever you have experienced in your day. And then suddenly you enter this, this darkness and you ground and you enter into a different space. Yeah, you enter into this kind of different space where maybe you have never been. And then you see this breastfeeding. And there are many, many layers for that breastfeeding, actually. Who is religious, they see connotations like Mother Mary and so, but also there is like this for me that it's also, we are physical, like mother is feeding the baby physically, but also like emotionally, like what are we feeding to our children? What are the patterns that we are passing on to the next generation? So these, all these layers for me are there, but it came like a vision like a visceral vision. And now it makes so much sense. But in the beginning, I didn't know how to articulate it. I just had that deep feeling. And because I've grown to trust my deep feeling and not ridicule it and understand that intuitive way is a way how to be and how to make things and films and art, then I trusted it. Practically speaking, how did you connect with these women? How did you find each other? It's interesting you said... You shot over, what, five years is what I'm hearing? Six. Five, six. Six, six years. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually it was seven years because even on the seventh year we did, I think, something. I'm not, but basically mostly six years and then two years of editing. But one year was including in that. Altogether, the process was like seven years. You know, it's very important when we uh, talk about films. I've, that's another thing that I've thought about that it's not just themes or subjects that we're into, but it's also how we make films. Especially with this film, when you ask me how was working with the women, it is really the process as part of 
it comes to the screen. And so the process, I would say, was really built on trust. I can say that maybe this film was only possible because this kind of trust was possible because I'm like a voice from within the community. I started with a sisterhood that I'm part of. There was already like huge trust. And then I had some rules for myself. I had a rule that I will not persuade, convince anyone. I just met individually with the women and then I shared openly like what level of intimacy I'm looking after. Basically, they all knew Smoksana. So it's like, okay, we go to the depths. Yes, we go to the depths. And only those who were like, yes, we want to do that, then I continued. And those who I felt there was hesitation, then for me it was no, I didn't convince. But I made it so a uh, long time and Estonia is so small, 1.3 million people. There also came like Me Too movement and people started to contact me who wanted to be in the film. And even those who were in the beginning, they were like hesitant, they started to contact me. Like more and more people came and also people that I didn't know. Like once there was a woman who just drew with her car um, to the farm that I was living in and filming. And she was like, where is this sauna? I want to be in the film. And I was like, okay, let's be in the film. And then second thing is that usually then when somebody says yes, then you, you needed to sign the legal papers. But it felt like so wrong to me and the producer to go there with legal papers. And we took this risk that only in them. Post-production, when I already have the edit I can show to the women, then I show it and they have the right to say yes or no, and then they sign. And uh, it was like huge risk in production, but uh, at the same time, I feel in order to invite somebody to be vulnerable, we have to make ourselves also vulnerable. And you know, nobody said no, I think because I didn't persuade anyone and I was always including their voices. Also important is that because in the film, women are mostly naked. Nakedness in smoke sauna is nothing sexual. It's like you take off your clothes and you take off the physical clothes, but you take also off your emotional clothes, these kind of concepts that we have about ourselves. And we enter there naked, we sweat next to each other and naked and everybody has the right to be there, different ages and everything. And there is nothing sexual. But at the same time, I'm filming naked female bodies and naked female bodies are so over-sexualized in society. My task for myself or the challenge was, and I have one also degree in photography and I'm very aware that, you know, the takeout camera is never objective, always subjective. So what is the glance? How do I manage to get that non-sexualized nakedness into the film? So what we did was testing on my own body first with the cinematographer and finding that key, finding that glance, finding that language. And then uh, when I felt safe, I also showed it to the women and they felt safe. I was including who wants to show their face, who doesn't want to. So it was like always including the voices and creating like in a kind of circular way. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the cinematography because it's beautifully shot. It's very sensitively shot and it's intricately shot. It's choreographed in a way like a dance. And you also had to be very careful because, as you say, some people, we see their faces, others we do not. Clearly, you and your team had to keep track of who was who was in which category and then make sure that it was visually compelling, all of which you managed to do. Can you take us inside the sauna in terms of your production? Like, how yeah. shooting in this space cannot be easy. It's a confined space. It's dark. There's smoke. There's women all about, there's water. Take us inside the shoot. Yeah, it's like, oh, let's shoot in a really small, dark 
space with 80 degrees Celsius average temperature. I think it's around 200 Fahrenheit or something. And yeah, let's stay there for several hours. It's like <laughs> such a challenge, but we managed. It's always, you know, who are the people around you as director? Who are the people who are supporting and believing in your vision? These talents who are saying yes to challenges and like, okay, we're going to figure something out. So what we did was this. First of all, when you are inside smoke sauna and there is no smoke because you would die there. So it's like different type of sauna. It has no chimney and you heat it like six to eight hours before, depending on the weather. And then uh, you let the smoke out and then you go in and then it stays warm quite alone, several hours. And our not, uh, most long sauna session actually took eight hours. And uh, yeah, average temperature is around 80 degrees Celsius. So what we figured out was that because when you're inside smoke sauna, then you go also out to breathe and then you come back and uh, you go back and forth and you wouldn't with the same lens. So we had one lens that we left outside and then one lens and the camera while we put a fire into the oven of smoke sauna, we put camera and lens on the floor there. So and then after two hours, we put a uh, camera and uh, lens more up after two hours, more up after two hours, more up because, you know, the heat comes to more above. So like adjusting with the heat as the smoke sauna was heating up and that time there was also smoke. So it's like adjusting to all of that. Also, we uh, then used at some point their possibility to film the smoke. Then uh, when we entered there, to film, the camera had adjusted the lens, but it was still like it's warm and it's also wet because people put water. So we had around camera ice packs, but it was like a special plastic so that it doesn't just melt immediately. It melted in the sense that we had to change those ice packs. And then also a cinematographer had wet cloth dripping on the head because otherwise you could get like dizzy or faint or something. Then all the time drinking water. Uh, I had gloves around the hands because camera is metallic and can burn you and wet gloves around. So it was, it was a challenge. It was a huge challenge. And our casualties for the seven years were two lenses. So we lost, lost two lenses. And probably it was uh, not because of the heat, because we adjusted it, but because of the uh, smoke particles and uh, the water damage. It is a sisterhood. And yet your cinematographer on Atomic is a man, correct? Yes. How did he manage to be in this space with these women and also gain their trust? Yeah, you know, in the beginning, I, of course, thought of working with a female cinematographer, but it's just another thing that there are so few in Estonia, female cinematographers. And when I was studying in my course, I think we had eight cinematographers and all were men. And it's a bigger, broader thing that we should have more diversity in cinematography and other fields in cinema world also. I thought of collaborating with female cinematographers. It didn't work out. And then I had the question who to go. And then Anse is my course mate. And I know from film school and he's super sensitive human being. And then we did this test with him and I felt safe. And then I, we filmed with the women and then I individually asked later separately, like all the women, like, how did they feel? Is it safe? How did they feel like to continue? And everyone said they felt super safe. And then it comes really to the sensitivity and as a human being, 
So uh, and women just forgot the camera and felt protected and safe. And it's also like, imagine the production is like this, that women come to the countryside, they stay long time there. We are together, we make food and fire. The shower is basically the pond, the lake. We're bonding and then while the heat, uh, smoke sound is heating up and then we enter there and, and then later everyone is around the fire and there is this kind of safe space. That was, I think I, I have to say that really for all of us important, Maria Nostra, the producer for the producer, so important and she managed so well also to create this safe space for all of us. And it was like this all the time, this con um, connection and this dialogue that I had with the women. Always like checking how they are feeling, what is okay for them, what is not. And then of course, having several different sessions, but same person, everyone already felt so same. So it worked beautifully. But of course, my wish is that there would be more diversity in film world. I don't know how it is in America, but in Estonia, definitely, we should have more diversity. We certainly could use more diversity in the film industry here as well. You had mentioned, I think, that you were staying on a farm at the time you shot this. Was the sauna in the movie, the sauna on the property? Yes, yes. Smoke sauna traditionally also, like how it is usually like private sauna, private smoke sauna, like belonging to a farm, to a family. Traditionally, women went together and men went together. And then when there was smoke sauna, then also like village women came together. Or like it, it didn't always mean that everyone does it, but like you could also go to neighbors, smoke sauna. So it's, it's like private, um, uh, usually it's private. Uh, but then, of course, there are special smoke saunas, special healing smoke saunas that are just for certain people who need that. Or when we have late autumn, we believe it is spirit's time where ancestors come and visit us. So we make smoke sauna for our dead ancestors. Nowadays, of course, it's more fluid and a mixture of different genders and everything. But traditionally, like it was like women together. And somehow this beautiful vulnerability, what I have in my life also blessed to experience is through the sisterhood. I, of course, I've never been into full brotherhood sauna, but like the sisterhood and my experiences and all that I have in my life also, a sisterhood smoke sauna that we do regularly. We change sometimes smoke saunas. Let's say we go to one woman or the other one. And just to clarify, over the course of shooting, there were multiple women and some were there for the whole time or did people come in and out during that whole process? There were women who were uh, all the time, like Kati Kivilo. She came on board second year and she's my friend and we met and, and she was like, I want to be in the film and I want to be there with my face. And then when we filmed, I noticed how amazing she's in listening. And then I understood that she had given real gift to all of us through her face as a listener, like to an audience also through her face, we are listening. So she then after that, I think she was then like in all saunas. So she became like kind of like a sauna keeper for us. And then there were women who changed, but then there were women who reappearing. One of the things besides tending to and sitting in the sauna and going outside that's really critical to this experience is dance and music. Can you talk about the music in the film, which seems to draw from musical traditions, but also go beyond those traditions? 
spoke Shauna is saying that's very interesting that it is very cinematographic place, but it's also like you're there and it's such a smoke sound, a symphony happening of all the elements, the sweat and the, the fire, water, the metal. Again, the impulses came or the direction came from the space itself, like smoke sauna. We were collaborating in the music, my band with Icelandic composer Edward Egilson. Edward came to Estonia, Marianne made it possible so he could come and he went through the whole session because I, for me, it was so important that he hears everything and then he made field recordings and then we were like building from all that, the actual sounds. But the chants that you hear, yes, there are chants. There are, I think, one or two chants that are passed on to me by my granny, then some folk tune or like sauna chants. Also the voices that you hear, these melodies, they are like inspired from that from these melodies from this region. When we talk about like healing, because sauna, smoke sauna is, is a healing place, then chanting is very important place, very important role. In our culture, we believe in the power of words and healers were people who also healed with words. Chants are this power, the more powerful when we have the chant. So there are like sauna words and chants and, and also things that come naturally in the process. And then you say things out. By saying things out, by letting your voice out, you're like empowering yourself or letting go of certain emotions. It's kind of purgatorium in a way, where you let it let it out through your voice. Much of the film voice is given to really very serious topics, traumatic events in these women's lives. But there's also some humor here too, and they laugh together. For example, I'm Thinking of the one conversation around dick pics, which is, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, not something uh, one would have expected. It comes up and it's a funny moment for all the women and they share a laugh. How important was it for you to capture these moments of laughter and light and joy? Very important uh, because this is a natural part of being uh, together in smoke sauna. It's the whole spectrum of emotions. There is love and then there is like you can share most silly things or most embarrassing things and then going into most painful things and then coming out and then laughing there together. It's very important. Like you can also look at the whole film as a journey of voice, how this voice can carry all the different emotions and all the different stories. It's very important that it's always like this kind of flow and this thing that even when you share the most painful, shameful thing, then you let it all out, you embrace each other, and then you laugh. You're able to laugh, you're able to, for joy. And that is so huge thing, like such a, so powerful thing when you think about it, that it's always this question when we have the traumas and when you're inside the deep trauma, it almost seems that at that moment that, can I laugh again? Can I smile again? Can I, first of all, can I smile again? Can I laugh again? And then you have that space where you meet your utmost pain and shame and also humor and love and they coexist. And in the end, you go out and you feel lighter. I think that's the motivation also for me. And I can say for the sisterhood to make this film, to share this kind of 
space with humanity, that it doesn't only belong to UNESCO and this very local Southeast Estonia, but, but to the humanity that this is possible. There's definitely a coexistence of lightness and dark throughout the film. And the film culminates in a very harrowing scene. It's an extremely long scene in which one of the women describes being raped. One of the things that's extraordinary, though, is the way into that story, which is it actually begins as a lighthearted moment where the women are talking about terms they use to self-describe their vaginas. And it's, it's a funny scene. It's a light scene. And then just out of nowhere, it turns into this harrowing story. And then things get very quiet. And this one woman tells this story over many minutes. And it's really just horrifying. And the breath kind of goes out of you as a viewer. This is a woman who we do not see her face. She's holding her arm over her face, but we do see the face of another woman. And then we see a third woman sitting in between them, but not her face. But I wanted to talk about this scene in some depth because it, it is really the culmination in many ways of the whole movie. And it is truly unforgettable. Can you talk first of all about that transition from one story to the next and what it was like for you sitting there as the director? Mm. Yeah, this actually came very organically and unplanned. And it's, I think, somehow illustrates this. It's like onion inside us, these layers. You start to talk about something emerges and suddenly it hits a very deep thing inside you. Uh, a humorous story can also hit something very painful and Actually, this is my story and it is like, I didn't plan to put it into the film or I didn't, it was just something that happened in the middle of the smoke sauna sisterhood where somebody's story like resonated in me and I wanted to share mine. And I, at that moment, I was not the director. I was part of the sisterhood. And then uh, it just came out and I've never shared this, like this never ever. It's like my time to share it. It just came and then actually... I that, didn't plan. That, so that was you? Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and I didn't plan to put it in um, because the sad reality is that it's not the only rape story. There are several rape stories. When you uh, are in smoke sauna with women through seven years, you hear a lot of very painful things that have happened to women. But then uh, we were uh, asking money from Sundance Institute for post-production and uh, we had to put together like 20 minutes uh, sync and like 20 minutes. For that, I asked help from one editor and I gave some hard drives because I still hadn't started the editing process. And I gave some hard drives and I was like, check the material and what resonates with you. And then Martin Mannik, he said, Anna, this is so strong story. This is amazing story. This is, I've never heard anything like this. It's like how it is told, how it unfolds. I didn't tell him immediately that it's my story. I was like giving actually arguments why to pick some other story. He was like, no, this is so strong. Like those layers and layers. And then I came out to him and I was like, you know, this is actually my story. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not objective at all about it. And I don't know. I, he was like, Anna, trust me. Let's put it in to that 20 minute. So we sent that 20 minute to Sundance Institute and we got the money. We got the funding and it's like super 
rare, you know, it's like 1% or less to get the funding. And then the Sundance Institute told that this is so strong that please keep that story. So for me, it was an interesting process of somehow validating my own story or like, okay, maybe my story then is so strong. And then it culminated in many, many ways. I actually went to police and I reported and I knew that probably it's too late because it happened when I was underage and then time had passed. But I thought that at least it will be documented that this has happened, even if I cannot anymore do anything against that person or find that person or, but at least I, it's not one of the stories that is silenced because it's happening so much. And I can say that the stories of rape that I heard in Smoke Sauna, honestly, none of them were reported. And then, uh, yeah, it, it, it really affected very, very emotionally and it became like a healing journey for me. And then, and then I was in that meeting this senior officer, like female senior officer in the police. And I was sharing my experience and still like I had done healing for years and still I was there like, and I was telling, wait, but you know, I had that red feather in my hair and you know, I was hitchhiking, like finding excuses that maybe I was guilty. And then uh, she was there and she was like, Anna, you could have been drunk. You could have been naked. This was rape and nobody has the right to do it. Then I burst into tears and it became like another layer of, of this kind of healing. So it went very deep with it. And now, I mean, when you watch the film, you don't need to know that it is my story. It's not important. I'm one of the sisterhood. <laughs> but for me personally, it has been, when you ask how it was for a director, it is not there as a director. I'm there as, a, as Anna, who unfortunately has experienced this thing in my life. Thank you for sharing that with us. Narratively, you do have what appears to be a very strong cleansing experience on screen with stomping and chanting and words spoken such as we sweat out all this pain, we sweat out all that fear. So it does seem like the film itself becomes a healing experience, hopefully for you too. Yes, absolutely. This was so powerful. It was so powerful. I mean, that's something that I experienced throughout the process where I was inside the smoke sauna and I felt this really powerful energy. I knew that, okay, it will also be from the material. I didn't need to check that at that moment. I knew that it will be also in the material. And it was this healing session, what you described, it came totally spontaneously. It was one of the most powerful smoke sauna experiences that I've ever had. And of course, the real time length for it was much longer. In the film, of course, I had to put it less, not the whole time, but it was like, I don't remember it. It felt like timeless, but probably an hour or like uh, something like just like letting it all out. It was very, very powerful. You know, the whole process of making this film was such a healing experience for all of us who were involved. And now, you know, it's so nice that the sisterhood, they're like sending me many messages every week, like asking how am I doing because I'm traveling so much with the film. I will be actually home a real home, like having some rest in Christmas time. And they're like, Anna, we are waiting for you. And we are going to make a smoke sauna for you to nurture you. And that shows to me that, wow, I feel such hot warmth that you can make films like that. You can make films, including the people and the sisterhood 
<laughs> now who is supporting me, you know, and nurturing me. It is very heartwarming. That's so great to hear. And I want to thank you for being with us today and really for sharing this space of the smoke sauna with all of us. It's something that I think even if we don't go to a smoke sauna ourselves, I think we feel vicariously like we have experienced it through your film. So congratulations on the film and thanks again for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Maybe what I can just say, just one thing is that I feel it is so important and I hope the film inspires to create this kind of safe spaces where we are coming together and really hearing each other out. When I started the film, I thought most important is the courage to share the uncomfortable. But then um, while making the film, I understood that maybe the most important is the courage to hear the uncomfortable because only then when we can hear the uncomfortable, then we can also share and we can learn and we can grow and hopefully find also some common language. This, I feel, is so, so important. I have to keep that hope for humanity. Well, you've certainly, I think, created a world in which hope can thrive, but only through sharing of pain. Yes. So thanks again, and best of luck with the film. Look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thank you so much. All the very, very best. Top Docs is a production of Wooly Media. This episode was produced by Ken Jacobson and Mike Merrill and edited by Mike. Mike.